Hey, podcast listeners, it's Representative Liz Olson here for our final edition of the Top 10 Bills Minnesota Values podcast. And I'm here with my usual co-host, Representative Long, and we have our special guest today, Majority Leader Winkler. So uh, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for letting me in. So we always start off our podcast with hearing a little bit about the place you call home. So tell us a little bit about your district. My district is 46A, which has Golden Valley, St. Louis Park, Plymouth, and Medicine Lake. So if you drive west out of Minneapolis on 394, you're driving straight through the middle of my legislative district. Besides representing District 46A, you are also a northern Minnesota boy. Is that correct? That is right. I was born and raised in Bemidji, outside of Bemidji. And uh, when I grew up, there was you couldn't see another house from our front or backyard or anywhere else. We lived out in the woods. And uh, Representative Olson, if I recall, you grew up in western Minnesota, so we've got uh, folks from all over the state. Is it Ortonville? Is that right? Yep. I graduated high school from Ortonville. that has the best sunsets. I miss prairie sunsets, even though I have Lake Superior now. Um, there is something to be said about those prairie sunsets. How many people were in your graduating class? It was like 30. Don't quote so me on Bemidji's that. So Bemidji's like 10 times bigger than Orangeville. <laughs> yeah, it was small. I don't think we didn't have a stoplight when I was there. Um, so very small town. So Ryan, you're also the majority leader. So tell us just a little bit about what that means. It means that the people in my caucus have very good judgment in deciding <laughs> on who to vote for for majority leader. Uh, I'm the number two uh, leader in the House after the speaker, Melissa Hortman and uh, elected by the caucus to help run the floor, help run caucus, help guide direction in general. So I'm pretty honored. I'm, I'm sitting here with the number two and the number three in our caucus on one podcast. Pretty, pretty exciting moment for me. Well, and you're like 3.5. you're 3.89. <laughs> you're an assistant leader. So let's, you got an important role as we are doing vote counts and whatnot as well. Um, but anyway, we digress. So we're at a place where now we have passed all of our top 10 bills off the floor, which off the House floor, which is pretty remarkable. Um, we're at a place where we've crafted a full Minnesota values budget. And we're coming into the home stretch of session, but tell us a little bit about just kind of the broader narrative of what we have accomplished and what the, the House DFL really set out to do uh, with the Minnesota Values Plan and where we're sitting now. Well, first and foremost, we wanted to pass an agenda that reflected the needs, wants, and uh, desires of Minnesotans. Uh, people care about their family's economic future. They care about their neighbor's economic future. They care about their kids' education. They care about their neighbor's kids' education. They want health care for themselves. They want it for everyone in the state. And there's a real desire for people to see everyone succeed in Minnesota and to come together rather than be divided against each other. And so our budget is focused on bringing uh, policies that will improve people's lives in Minnesota in all parts of the state from all walks of life, regardless of who you are or what you look like. And so when we started this podcast, we had house files. We had 10 bills that we uh, had put together as our Minnesota values plan, our, our budget proposal. How do we do? 10 for 10. Uh, so far this year, we have made uh, every bill uh, that we can think of that will improve people's lives. Uh, we've made it through the House. And we've done that because we have 75 DFL House members who are committed to the state and want to do the right thing and believe that if you lead with authenticity and that you uh, lead with really the kind of heart of the people at, at the heart of what you do, uh, that that's great. So we've been a very strong, unified team and uh, we've passed all major bills. 
We know that this isn't all going to happen this year. Uh, I think this Minnesota Values budget and the Minnesota Values agenda that we passed is the agenda for the future of the state. That's what's coming. And it's no small feat. I think we kind of gloss over the idea we passed the top 10 bills, but not all of them have ever seen this kind of light before, whether in either body here. And so do you know off the top of your head? I mean, I, I think we, Jamie and I have been talking, but we think it's only two of the bills in the top 10 that have ever passed uh, one of the two bodies before. And so that's pretty remarkable to have eight bills that reflect the values and beliefs of Minnesotans to actually pass. Um, can you speak to that as a majority leader, how big of an accomplishment that actually is? Well, we have uh, those top eight bills, things like paid family and medical leave, a comprehensive and robust uh, early learning approach uh, in schools, uh, making sure that kids from all walks of life and all kinds of backgrounds have the service and support they need in school to succeed. You know, it is not easy to get uh, this much major legislation through, and this has been a very hardworking session for the Minnesota House. But it even goes beyond our top 10 bills. Uh, we have things like restore the vote. We have driver's license for undocumented immigrants. Uh, we have the earn sick and save time, which is not even in our top 10, but is a key piece of legislation that's passed. We have done an enormous amount of forward-looking legislation this year. We have an awful lot to be proud of. And I think one of the things that I'm proudest of, I think, is that we didn't just pass them. We did it in collaboration with Minnesotans. And so we set the agenda with Minnesotans, which we've talked about on this podcast, but can you talk a little bit about how Minnesotans have been involved up here at the Capitol, how they've been involved in the process on some of these big bills and what difference they've made? Well, I think it starts with the work that was done with the Minnesota Values Project ahead of time to actually go out and listen to people and engage them. Uh, that led to a set of policy proposals that Minnesotans were actually excited about, and we have seen their enthusiasm here in, at the state capitol. People have consistently turned out for committee hearings to testify in support of our bills. They've shown up for rallies. They've been really present in the state capitol. And we know that vested interests have a lot of influence inside closed rooms, and bringing the voice of the people into those rooms is the only way to make real change happen, and that's what we've been trying to do. And you took a leadership on the driver's license issue, um, which is hugely important. We had hundreds of people here in the Capitol. It was really a moving day when that uh, came up to the floor. Um, and I know that you've been in close communication with, with uh, our partners in the in community. Can you talk a little bit about how, uh, how that has you know, contributed to that big win? Well, I don't think we should make policy and law without being in touch directly with the people that it affects. So when we are working on a driver's license issue or we're working on any issue, we need to be directly in touch with the people that it will most affect and making sure that the political compromise and the gamesmanship of the state capitol don't arbitrarily hurt people in the state of Minnesota because we don't know how uh, what we're doing will affect them. And, you know, even beyond the kind of Democrat versus Republican, we have a very open legislature. People very much have an influence on in this process, and they should feel empowered to be here. I really think a lot of the best thing that we can do in many ways is to leave people with the feeling that their voice makes a difference. And I, I'm struck by my first session here. I remember leaving after we'd adjourned, and I remember walking by the governor's office, and there were families sleeping on the floor and how left out so many Minnesotans felt um, under what was happening at that time and the budgets that were being proposed that were leaving so many Minnesotans out. 
that it feels so different to be at the Capitol now and to have the opposite where it's a, a, a budget that really brings Minnesotans in. And I think every Minnesotan in every corner of the state can see themselves reflected in some proposal that we have put forward that will benefit their life, you know, in a positive way. And I think that's what's kept our caucus, you know, working together as diverse as we are is because it, there's something for everybody in here. But what has been a story? I mean, you've also been around prior in prior sessions. What has been um, something that's really moved you this session, you know, a voice or a story or something um, that that has really you've seen the stories of Minnesotans reflected in a way that that has really moved you this session? Well, first of all, one of the things that has moved me is just the members of the Minnesota House of Representatives themselves. We are a very diverse group of people and a high-performing group of people despite having very different points of view on certain issues. And the willingness to come together and uh, take you know, votes of courage and to do it in an atmosphere of collegiality and believing in the mission uh, is unique. Um, but the stories of Minnesotans that we hear at the Capitol are so, I mean, there are just so many. I think one that touches me particularly is uh, uh, families who have uh, children with diabetes, because I have a child with diabetes, so it obviously rings true directly to me. And, you know, uh, having two parents come and talk about uh, their son uh, dying because he couldn't afford insulin as a result of corporate greed at pharmaceutical companies uh, is, you know, it's one of many stories, but it's one that always uh, hits home directly for me. Absolutely. <clears throat> so we're at a point... Uh, in session now where we've passed major legislation likely and we're moving into conference committees um you're uh in the room uh negotiating our our minnesota values budget uh against the republican alternative how's that been going so far the republican alternative is to sit there and do nothing and hope that all of this passes by uh, the Minnesota House was up for election in 2018, as was uh, Governor Walls. We both won very uh, strong elections. The Minnesota Senate was not on the ballot, so they don't reflect the most recent election, and they act like they reflect the election of 100 years ago. They don't want to invest. They don't care about health care. They don't care about the effect their budget will have on school districts, especially in rural Minnesota with less property tax wealth. All they care about is protecting the corporate bottom line. And they have passed major corporate tax breaks in the past and now come and claim that we can't afford anything. Uh, we can't afford to tax those same corporations to pay for health care and for schools and everything else that makes a difference in real people's lives. And it's time uh, for them to recognize that their day has passed. And the future, which rep looks a lot like our Minnesota Values budget, is, is what's coming, and they need to get on board. And for our podcast listeners that believe that exactly in that vision of our state and have come and shown up whether they're listening to the podcast have come to the capitol have testified on a bill we're getting into the point now where we need to focus our energies on making sure that uh, we we talk to senate republicans about this if you care about gun violence prevention it's time to talk to senate republicans if you haven't already so can you just share about what people can be doing in this last week to help um advance this top 10 bills in our you know minnesota values budget and kind of who they should be talking to and why 
Well, the best way to do it is to go to the Senate website, which is senate.mn, and you will find a, a way to click through to your state senator. Um, but it doesn't have to be your own. If there's an issue or a story that you have that affect, it's about health care, find the, the senators working on health care and let them know. Uh, having the public weigh in at this point does matter. People need to feel, when they're inside the Capitol trying to make deals, they need to feel the outside pressure. And that's what we're committed to doing, making sure that the voices of Minnesotans are in those rooms till the very end. Absolutely. And this isn't just about a DFL budget. This is about the stories of Minnesotans up against what the Republicans have put forward in their budget. So that's what we need the Republicans to hear is we didn't put this budget forward because we thought it was great for us as 75 legislators. We put this forward because this is great for Minnesotans and we need those Minnesotans to show up in full force uh, over the next week, which I know they will. So that's helpful. And the Republicans themselves don't even think these are good ideas, right? We've heard the education chair say that she doesn't support the education funding. I heard the chair for public safety say that this would, would make Minnesota less safe. What, uh, you know, so if the public is weighing in, um, this is something that Minnesotans want. The Republicans know this is something that Minnesotans want. And so do you think that will make an, make an impact on them? Well, it definitely makes a difference. Uh, many of the Senate Republicans know, in fact, the public safety and judiciary chair said that his bill is unconstitutional because it doesn't adequately fund the court system. Uh, the K-12 chair knows that there will be huge layoffs all across Minnesota, Minnesota if their education bill passes. And this is at a time when the economy is strong and we have um, revenue coming into the state. They still want to cut and make things worse. So with Minnesotans telling their stories directly to Senate Republicans, I think it will make a difference because they're already at the tipping point, many of them, and I think they, it just takes a little bit more to push them over the edge and say we need to do a better job. And this is something we can be proud of. I mean, the work we're doing, and this is really what we would want to advance for, that Minnesotans care about one another. And even though it's hard to be at this part of session where it gets frustrating and you're watching what's possible if a Republican budget were advanced, um, but I'm also hopeful that throughout what we've accomplished, you know, and we've set out and talked about in this podcast is we've really worked to shift the narrative on what a budget can do and bring more Minnesotans into this process as we go. And so um, as we go forward and do our work over the last week. I hope that, you know, everyone that listens and everyone that's been a part of it can feel proud of the work they've done and feel good about pushing to the end here. And, um, and feel proud of what we've accomplished, which is uh, not insubstantial. And, and now we're in the final stretch where we can push as hard as we can to get as much as we can. Mm-hmm. So, so we uh, like to wrap up our podcast with asking a fun fact from our guests. So <laughs> is there something that Minnesotans don't know about the majority leader that you're willing to share? When I was 12 years old, I got hit start. by a boat while I was riding my bike. <laughs> and the looks on your faces <laughs> tells me that that is a, a scenario you can't quite envision. No, can you tell us more about that, please? <laughs> I was riding a bike down a county road uh, outside of Bemidji, and a boat and trailer came off the back of a truck and hit me from behind. Yikes. <laughs> That's a Bemidji story. <laughs> county road, biking, a boat... So did you speak on the floor about the boat insurance bill? <laughs> I did not. <laughs> that was a very insider joke. <laughs> um, well, thanks for sharing that story and <laughs> being here. And any closing words on our final podcast here? Well, uh, <laughs> I your so podcast to close, not mine. <laughs> you know, um, <clears throat> it's been a lot of fun co-host, uh, 
Liz Olson. I think we've we've uh, managed to get through all ten bills. We weren't sure we were going to be able to squeeze it in with the busy legislative session, but we had members uh, who were very willing uh, to share their time and and talk their stories and. We've uh, enjoyed the feedback we've gotten from listeners. So uh, thanks for tuning in uh, this session. And we're, we're hoping we're going to come out of it uh, strong and uh, uh, push hard on our, on our Big Ten bills. Yes. Yeah, so tune in as we keep going and hopefully have another version of this podcast. And please share this podcast so that we can ensure a good end to session. So thanks, listeners. Thanks.